Presenting Hop Harrigan, America's ace of the airwaves. Welcome to the Comic Web's Old Time Radio Podcast. Each week we feature an episode from the golden years of radio. The Comic Web sells old time radio programs, comic books, and more. Check us out at comicweb.com. You'll get some of my brief commentary after the episodes. This week we have two episodes of Hop Harrigan in parts one and two of the Airline Protection Racket. Presenting Hop Harrigan, America's ace of the airwaves. CX-4 calling control tower. CX-4 calling control tower. Standing by. Control tower back to CX-4. Wind southeast. Sailing 1200. All clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in. Yes, it's America's ace of the airways. Coming in for another transcribed episode in the adventures of Hop Harrigan. You know, gang, it's pretty common knowledge that many of the islands dotting the great Pacific Ocean are lonely bits of land. Very small and very quiet. Well, when our soldiers were stationed there during the war, USO camp shows helped a lot, and so did movies. And then, of course, there were the Goonie Birds. The Goonie Birds are funny-looking and funny-acting, and they did more than their share in keeping American fighting men in good humor. Many of the naval and marine aviators stationed on the little island of Midway thought the Goonies should have been awarded some kind of a medal for all the entertainment they provided. And what was it about these birds that kept the men so amused? Well, first, the Goonies try to be dignified, but it doesn't come off. The more dignified they act, the more humorous they are. The Goonie birds even have a dance all their own, which consists of raising and lowering their heads and making a whinnying noise while they clack their bills. Of course, the birds take this dance very seriously, but not so the human flyers. Now, in the matter of hatching eggs, the male Goonie bird takes turns with the female in sitting, and a lot of eggs were hatched. During the war years, when Midway was a large forward base for the Pacific Command, there were plenty of planes taking off and landing all the time. But even with them as examples, the baby Goonie birds were slow in learning to fly themselves. They used to like being tossed into the air by the prop wash of the Navy planes. And when the pilot cut his throttle, the birds would spin in, squawking at him. I'll be back later to tell you more about the Goonie birds, so don't forget to listen. And now to our story. As a cloud-flecked afternoon sky casts a weird, ever-changing pattern of light and shadow on the open rangeland of Texas far below, a sleek, streamlined Beechcraft biplane, its powerful engine drumming smoothly, holds a northwesterly course for Lakeville. In the cabin, Tank, Gail Nolan, and young Christopher Cross sprawl comfortably in their seats, relaxing after their arduous adventure in South America, while Hop acknowledges a message shortwave from a nearby radio range station. Four, four, three, message received. Kindly relay acknowledgement back to New Orleans. That is all. Over and out. What was that all about, Hop? Well, the wind-up. The wind-up? Of what? The Lakeville Bell. Everything's wrapped up and tied in a pretty knot. Well, what happened? Tell us, Hop. That message was relayed from New Orleans, from John Temple. And he had a report from our embassy in Buenos Aires. They got the army plane we used, and... The police finally arrived at Mendez Ranch in Canada Verde. Finally. How did they go? By dog sweat? Did they catch Vogel? Yes, he put up a fight and... Well, he lost. Oh, I get it. What about the bill? Did John say what would be done with it? Uh-huh. The government's taking over. Gosh, they better. Who else can handle $10 million worth of gold? And they're turning it back to France. The rightful owners. Oh, I'm glad. Hey, easy, hot. Oh, sorry, fella. Almost got me out of my seat. What's the idea? Just edging over to give that pilot some room. He 
seems to need the whole sky. Huh? What pilot? Yeah, back of us on my side. Oh, I see him. Say, he's got a nice-looking ship. Uh, Stinson, ain't it? Yeah. Chris. Huh? Don't ever let Aunt Agatha hear you say that. Say what? Ain't. Oh, well, Tank says it. Well, that's no recommendation. He needs lessons in grammar worse than you do. Hey, now, wait a minute. Don't drag me in. Oh! Ah, for the love of Pete! I'm sorry, but that Stinson keeps edging over on us. Joe, what's he think he's doing? First, I thought he wanted to pass us, but he keeps holding back. He's on the wrong side for passing, anyhow. Our beachcraft is faster, Hop. Why don't we just pull away? Well, I'm at cruising speed now, and we're rated higher at cruising than a Stinson is wide open. That baby must be souped up plenty. What's he doing now? Still holding back into the left. Uh, some hot shot with bright ideas, I'll bet. Say, there's two men in the cabin. One of them's watching us through field glasses. Hop, look out! Hang on. Hop, what's the matter? The fool's cut right over me. Their landing gear just missed our fence. They're over on my side now. Hey, you stupid jerk, sheer off. You want to kill yourself? Say nothing about it. It's fools like them that give private flying a bad name. Say, what's that funny mark in the fuselage? Where? Right in front of the tail section. Sort of a zigzag line in a ring. See it? Oh, yeah. Looks like a streak of lightning in a circle. You recognize it, huh? Never saw it before. Hey, heads up. They're edging over again. Ah, that's enough. Place yourselves. What are you doing? Giving them some of their own medicine. Just cutting it off for close, pal. Let's see if they can take it as well as dish it out. They're holding hot. We're going to lock wings. Oh, my Look God. Out. Oh, brother, that was close. If they hadn't sheared off. Hop, you took an awful chance. Uh, sorry, Gail, but I got sore. Where's the Stinson now, Tank? Uh, but... About 2,000 feet under us. They had enough. They're hightailing it off to the east. Good riddance. Now, what do you suppose they were up to? I should have taken their registration number and reported them to the CAA. Oh, well, they're gone now. They won't bother us no more. Forget it. Let's relax. But even as the boys and Gail and Chris settle back in their seats and continue normal flight routine, several miles to the east, in the strangely marked Stinson, the pilot short waves a laconic message to an unidentified receiver. All three reporting. Sighted Beechcraft on northwesterly course. Registration NC82043. Organization insignia lacking. Successfully completed operation. Have the pictures. Learn home airport and make out necessary papers. That is all. A half hour later, after the Beechcraft crosses the Texas state line, Hop circles a small private field and settles for a landing. Fasten your belts, everyone. Turning into the approach. Say, Hop. Yes, Chris? Think we can get something to eat there? Now, there's a kid after my own heart. Oh, honestly, Chris, you're getting to be more like Tank every day. Oh, gosh, I can't help it if I'm hungry, Miss Norman. That's the way, Chris. You tell it. How about speaking to yourself, Tank? Heads up. Going in. Okay. We're down. Well, can we get something to eat, Hop? Well, sure, if they have a lunch counter here. Which I don't think. Oh. See the gas pumps tank? Yeah, over there by the hangar. Check. Somebody just came out of the hangar. He's waving us in. Good. All clear on the right. Thanks. Yeah, we're right in front of the pumps. Cutter. Okay, let's pile out. Oh, I'll be glad to stretch my legs. Here, hold on to my hand, Mr. Thanks, Chris. Ah. Oh, where's that fellow you saw? Huh? I was here a minute ago. Waved us in on my right. Anything I can do for you? Oh, there he is, by the tail. 
Gosh, what's he doing there? Quiet, Chris. Oh, we'd like some gas, please. And, and will you check the oil, too? Gas and oil, huh? Hey, why does he keep looking at our ship like that? Well, you've got me. like to see your card first. Card? Yeah, that's right. Oh, you mean my pilot certificate? No, I mean your card. Your organization card. What are you talking about? What organization card? Oh, you haven't got one, huh? Well, no. Not until you explain it, at least. Don't need any explanations. If you haven't got a card, you ain't in the organization. So what? Look, all we want is gas and oil. No gas. No oil. What? You heard me. No gas, no oil. And you better get this ship off my field pronto. Hey, wait a minute. Come back here. Get this ship off my field. What's the matter with you? Like a little squirt. I got a half a mind. Tank, hold it. Huh? Look at the insignia on the hangar. Jumping jetties. The bolt of lightning again. Puzzled frowns lining their foreheads. Hop, Tank, Gale, and Chris stare at the strange emblem. Then, almost as one, turn and examine the line of planes staked out on the apron. Again, each is marked with a jagged streak of lightning. What's this mean? And why have the boys been refused gas? We'll know more in just a moment, gang, so stand by. At the beginning of Hop Harrigan, we were talking about the Goonie Birds. And if there's anything outstanding about the Goonies, it's their independence. When it comes to flying, the bird disregards traffic rules, wind direction, and all other flight requirements. When a Goonie gets ready to take off, he just takes off in the direction he happens to be facing. It's a little different from the average bird, for most of them can start flying from a standing position. The Goonie, however, must build up a little airspeed before he can leave the ground. He does this by running like mad down a smooth stretch of ground, wildly flapping his wings. If he happens to be headed downwind, he'll lumber along for a long distance, often to a ground loop or run full speed into a sand hill. Then he'll get up and, brushing himself off and looking around with that, hey, who pushed me expression on his face, he'll try again, still ignoring wind direction. Sometimes the Goonie will start his takeoff in the shelter of a building where there's no wind at all. And about the time he gets airborne, he will emerge from the shelter of the structure, go into a side slip, and crash into the ground because of a crosswind. When that happens, the bird usually will walk back to the same starting point and try it again. One naval flyer tells the story of a Goonie bird who decided to practice takeoffs from the roof of a building. He would take off from one end and land at the other, and then he'd walk back and start all over again. Well, he concentrated so hard in his practice, he forgot where he was. And when he decided to stop, he stepped right off the end of the building and fell two stories to the pavement below. Say, gang, all branches of American aviation need flyers and technicians for the future. So, always remember, America needs flyers! And now, back to our story. Refused gas and oil, apparently because they did not belong to a certain unidentified organization, Hop, Tank, Gale, and Chris were forced to take off again with less than a quarter of a tank of gas in the beach. Now, 45 minutes later in the growing dusk, Hop circles another small field, preparing for a landing. And the approach, check your belts. We'd better check that field, too. See if there's any of them lightning marks down there. Too dark to see. I'll have to get gas here. Organization or no organization. Stand by landing. It ain't such a big place. There's only that one beat-up-looking hangar over there. See the pumps? Uh, no. Well, I'll taxi to the hangar anyway. Hey, somebody just came out of that little shack there. Oh, but Jenny's got a shotgun. What in the world? Pop, maybe we better take off again. No, we can't, Dale. Our tanks are nearly dry. 
Getting close to the hangar, Hoppy. He's off, right? How's that fellow with the gun? Standing in front of the hangar now. Keep your eyes on him. Don't worry, I am. Okay. Chris, you and Gail stay where you are. Hop, I don't see any of those funny lightning marks here. That's a break. Come on, Tank. Be careful, Hop. You stay put, Gail. That guy keeps standing there watching us. Uh, good evening. What do you want? Friendly around here, ain't they? Shut up. Uh, we need gas and oil. Oh, yeah? Well, stand where you are. Right. Oh, he's giving the ship a once-over. Are we poisoned? Look, we're not members of the organization, if that's what you're trying to find out. What do you know about the organization? Well, nothing, but we were turned down about 100 miles away because we weren't members. How do we stack up here? Just fine, mister, just fine. There's the pump. Help yourself. Well, thanks a lot. Go ahead, thank you. You bet. Say, what's this all about, anyhow? What kind of an organization... Look, mister, don't ask no questions. Fuel up and get out of here fast. Yes, no but... questions, I said. It ain't healthy if you know too much. Hey, there's a plane coming in fast. What? Hey, there it is. It's diving. Hey, the jerk, don't he have no sense? Get down, get down fast! Hey, what's going on here? We're going to be bombed. Can't you see? Get out! The airport manager shouts a frantic warning as the plane swoops low overhead and three small objects tumble out of the cabin. Hop and Tank hit the dirt, immediately recognizing hand grenades in the dim half-light. And also, the now all-too-familiar jagged streak of lightning. Gang, there's deep mystery here, and you won't want to miss a minute of it as Hop and Tank plunge into a rip-roaring new adventure. So tune in and fly with Hop Harrigan, America's ace of the airwaves. So long, Hop. We'll be seeing you same time. Same mutual station. Hop Harrigan is a transcribed, copyrighted feature appearing in All American Comics magazine. Hop Harrigan, America's ace of the airways. CX-4 calling control tower. CX-4 calling control tower. Standing by. Control tower back to CX-4. Wind southeast. Ceiling 1200. All clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in. Yes, it's America's ace of the airways. Coming in for another transcribed episode in the adventures of Hop Harrigan. Gang, the scheduled airlines have succeeded in conquering almost every conceivable hazard in flying. But there's one that seems to become worse as time goes on. That's the storm of paperwork and red tape that entangles anyone attempting to make a flight to an overseas point. This is true especially of Pacific air travel. For an example, let's take a normal flight of 30 passengers and 50 pieces of freight bound for Australia. More than 1,500 forms must be made out before the plane can take off. The airlines have succeeded in making some progress in simplifying the forms, but even so, 41 copies of a single form have to be made for distribution on a proposed flight around the world. The standard form for entrance into a country usually is one typewritten sheet. But if you go to Siam, you'll have to prepare one sheet four feet long. Here are a few more examples. For each passenger flying the Pacific, there must be 23 copies of two forms. 
If you're going to Honolulu, you need 18 more copies. For Canton, China, 14 copies. And that's how it runs all down through the Far East. All in all, the hard-working airline ground and flight personnel are snowed under an avalanche of forms and blanks. Incidentally, the United States shouldn't complain too harshly about others. Our country demands a raft of forms also for every overseas flight. The great hope lies in the work of the International Air Transport Association, which is doing its best to cut all the red tape and eliminate as much paperwork as possible. I'll be back later, so don't forget to listen. And now to our story. Heading back to Lakeville in the Beechcraft after a long flight from South America, Hop, Tank, Gail Nolan, and young Christopher Cross had a strange encounter with the pilot of a Stinson monoplane, who, flying recklessly, kept crowding Hop until the young pilot, his patience exhausted, turned on the smaller plane and drove it away. But before it disappeared, the boys noticed an odd insignia on the fuselage, a circle enclosing a jagged streak of lightning. They saw the same insignia again when they landed at a small private field to refuel and were refused gas and oil when Hop could not produce a certain organization card. Then, as we left the boys last time, they had landed at another field where they were given permission to gas up, but warned to leave at once. When Hop questioned the field manager about the strange insignia, he refused to answer, and just as tanks started to pump gas into the beach, they heard the spine-chilling wail of a plane diving straight down at them. Get out, everybody! Get down! Quick! We're going to be bombed! Bob, you can't... Tank, shut up and duck! Hey! Hey, did Oh, my gosh, I forgot about Gail and Chris. Cover your heads and look out! Number one! Stay put! 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 Gosh, it sure made a mess out of that hangar. The whole front end's caved in. Hey, fire starting in that wreckage. Get an extinguisher, quick. Hey, fella, where's your extinguisher? Come on, snap out of it. It's all over. Uh-oh. What? He fainted? Fainted nothing. He's hurt. Oh, gosh. Hank, take care of the fires before it hits the gas tank. Here. Gail. Yes? Come here, on the double. I need you. Coming. You want me to, Hop? You better stand by. Tank may need you. Okay. What's the matter, Hop? This poor chap, I think a chunk of the last grenade got him. Oh. Try to do something for him, will you? No. He's pretty badly hurt. Not much I can do except emergency treatment. He needs a doctor. Well, there may be a phone in his office. I'll see. Chris! Yes, officer. Help Miss Nolan. You back. Chris, bring the first aid kit. I'll be right back, Gail. Ah! I got the extinguisher. Good. Concentrate on the area Here's around the first aid kit, Miss Nolan. Oh, thanks, Chris. Give me two gauze pads. Oh, here you are. Hey. He's awful white. Think he'll be okay? Well, I don't know, Chris. I think I got it pretty well licked around the pump. Anything I can do for you, Gail? No, thanks, thanks. I got a doctor. He's on the way. Swell. Call the state police. They're bringing him out. How is he, Gail? He's unconscious. Suffering from shock. And the injury, of course. He's done all I can. Pop. Yeah? Hangar's a total loss. Just have to burn itself out. Ah, that's a shame. But the gas pumps are okay. I'll stand by in case of sparks. Yeah, I'm watching for him. Pop, what happened, anyhow? Field was bombed, Chris, by the same plane we saw earlier this afternoon. The Stinson, the one with that funny lightning mark on it? Check. Gosh, what's going on around here? A war or something? <laughs> Certainly seems that way. But who are those guys, anyway? Uh, coming to. Good. Uh, lightning strikes. What'd he say? Lightning strikes. What's that mean? Organization. Uh, organization. No. No, I won't. Can't take the field away from me. I'll fight him. Field is mine. Gosh, listen to him. What organization? What does the streak of lightning mean? Trouble. Want to take over. Take 
Take over what? Take... Harvey shouldn't talk. Take field. Take planes. Control. Flying. There, he's unconscious again. I guess he's better off that way. But what did he mean, Hop? Ask me something I can answer, will you? Almost savagely, Hop snaps back at his pal and turns away to stare at the twisted, smoldering wreckage of the hangar, his eyes reflecting his inner bewilderment and worry. A few moments later, the siren of a police squad car is heard, and the doctor arrives to take charge of the injured man. Hop and Tank explain what has happened to the state troopers, but when they ask about the jagged insignia, the answer is vague. Unable to obtain any satisfying information, Hop asks permission to refuel from the still undamaged gas pumps, and when it is granted, he and Tank complete the job in 15 minutes. Soon after, they are airborne, resuming their flight home to Lakeville. Something I don't like about that lightning outfit. That's the understatement of the world. They're a bunch of strong-arm guys pushing people around. Couldn't the state troopers tell you anything about them, Hop? No. You made a complaint, though, didn't you? You told them about the Stinson with the insignia. Of course, but they didn't seem to be very impressed by it. Said most of the planes around there had that insignia on the fuselage. What they needed was the registration number. Oh, fine. With hand grenades dropping, we were supposed to pick out registration numbers. Hop. We don't have to stop at any other field before we get home, do we? No, next stop, Lakeville. Thank goodness. And we can just cross this off as a bad nightmare and forget it. Gail shudders and settles back in her seat. Just as several hundred miles to the northwest, in a small hotel room in Lakeville, two strangers are making plans. Now, get this, Luigi. They land sometime tonight, so we lay low for a few hours. First thing in the morning, we pay the field a visit. And we try to sell them a bill of goods. They buy, fine. They get a little tough, we show them these papers. They still don't cooperate, we do some persuading. Got that? Yeah. Okay. Now relax and enjoy yourself, Luigi, my boy. Tomorrow, we got ourselves a busy day. The tall, heavy-set man addressed as Luigi turns away and lazily stretches out on the bed, his scarred features completely void of expression, while his companion concentrates on a set of papers on the desk each one marked with a jagged streak of lightning. Gang, we'll bring you the action-packed climax of today's episode in just a moment, so stand by. One of the major post-war problems of our air arms has been what to do with all the planes built during the war. When the battle was on, America's factories turned out fighters, bombers, reconnaissance planes, and other types by the thousands. Well, of course, at that time, they were all needed on our widespread fighting fronts. Also during those years, with about 12 million men and women in our armed forces, there was no problem in manning and servicing the planes. However, since VJ Day, there has been a tremendous demobilization. All branches of the military are now down to skeleton size, and there are actually thousands of planes still in serviceable condition in the hands of the Air Force. But unfortunately, there aren't enough men to use or take care of them. Instead of scrapping most of them, they've decided to store them for possible use in the future. The Navy has come up with a novel idea, and they're putting their surplus planes in storage in bags, closed with the largest zippers you ever saw. The idea is to make up a giant coverall that will fit like a glove over an entire Navy plane, and then zip it on. The covering is light and pliable, and resists deterioration and rotting. A special plastic coating on the giant coverall adds more protection for the planes. The Navy estimates the new system, being developed by the Bureau of Aeronautics, will require only 30 man-hours of work for preserving and taking the plane out again for service. Well, that alone is worth all the effort required in making the zipper bags. For at present, it takes 120 hours to do the job. 
You know, Gang Aviation is looking to the young people of today to provide flyers and technicians to man the planes of tomorrow. So plan to make your career in the air. For always remember, America needs flyers. And now back to our story. It is late the following morning, and the memory of the events of the night before dim in their minds as Hop and Tank busy themselves in the airport office, clearing away the mound of paperwork piled up in their absence. Bills, bills, and more bills. That's all the mailman seems to bring these days. Yeah, let Gail take care of them. Yeah. Hey, do I hear a car? I'll see. Yeah, a couple of guys just got out. <laughs> Brother, one of them's as big as the Empire State Building. What a puss on it. Yeah, maybe some new customers. Good morning. Morning. You Hop Harrigan, the owner of this field? That's right. Glad to know you. My name's Brown. Well, how do you do? This is Tank Tinker, my partner. Hi. Hello, Tinker. And... Huh? Oh, him? He's my partner. Say hello, Luigi. Hello. Harrigan, I'll get right down to cases. We represent an organization of flyers and field managers. Organization? That's right. Your organization wouldn't have a jagged streak of lightning as an insignia, would it? Oh, then you've heard of us already, eh? Fine. Not so fine, Bob. Get out of here. We don't want no part of you. Easy, Tinker. Wait, Tank. Go ahead, Mr. Brown. What does your organization do? Well, you see, we're kind of a club. We're set up all over the country. Everybody's joining. For what purpose? Well, for a thousand bucks a year, we give you airport owners protection. And it's another hundred bucks a year for every pilot using your field. I see. Protection against what? Oh, lots of things might happen, chum. Lots of things. Private flying's pretty risky business. You ought to know that. It isn't that risky. Never can tell when accidents happen. Sorry, no sale. Now, wait a minute, Harrigan. You better think twice. He don't need to think twice. Beat it. I don't take that kind of talk, chum. You take it from me. Beat it before I... Luigi. Watch it, Tank. Before you what? Tell that big ape to drop his gun and I'll show you. The gun is my protection, Tinker. Now, are you guys going to sign, or aren't you? And support your racket, nothing doing. Oh? Well, uh, just take a look at these papers. What are they, Hop? Ah, complaint to the CAA, accusing us of reckless flying. That's right. You remember yesterday afternoon? What? You were the guy Those who... pictures there show different. Pictures? Yes, Tank, a whole set of them, showing us banking into them from the left. A very bad violation, chum. Bad enough to get your certificate yanked. Well, want to join now? Get out of here. Huh? You heard him. Get out. No sale, huh? Okay, chum. You can keep them papers and think about them for a while. We got the originals. I'm giving you exactly two Don't seconds Don't to... throw a fit, Tinker. We're going. But we'll be back. Hey, Luigi? Yeah. We'll be back real soon. And by then, you'll be crawling on your knees begging to join up. Be seeing you, suckers. White-faced and trembling with almost uncontrollable anger, Hop and Tank stand where they are, staring at the closed door. Suddenly, the young pilot, in a violent gesture, crumples the papers clutched in his fist into a ball and throws them across the room. So, the mysterious organization has finally caught up with them. This is only the beginning of a new rip-roaring action-packed adventure gang, so don't miss a single episode. Be sure to tune in and fly with Hop Harrigan. America's ace of the airways. Go on, Hop. We'll be seeing you same time, same mutual station. Hop Harrigan is a transcribed, copyrighted feature appearing in all American comics magazines.
On August 31, 1942, the airwaves first resounded with CX-4 calling control tower, CX-4 calling control tower. That was the call of Hop Harrigan, ace of the airwaves, requesting permission to land. Thus began each episode of Hop Harrigan, one of the best juvenile radio shows of the war years. Flying ace Hop, along with his faithful, if slightly dim sidekick and mechanic, Tank Ticker, thrilled with his juvenile listeners with his heroics behind the lines, fighting the forces of evil in World War II. Once the war was over, Hop continued to fight ba- bad guys wherever they appeared until the show ended in February of 1948. Born as a hero in All-American Comics, which was later purchased by DC Comics, Hop was the brainchild of John Bloomer, creator of Fighting Yank and Little Boy Blue. Episodes of the radio series were frequently co-written by Bob Burt and Wilfred Moore, who were also the writers of Captain Midnight. Hop was voiced by Charles Stratton, tanked by Ken Lynch, who, who was eventually replaced by Jack ba- Jackson Beck, who was also the narrator for the Superman series, and he voiced various world leaders in the March of Time series. While still a kid's show, Hop Harrigan was a bit more adult than some of the other Flying Ace shows, like Captain Midnight. Hop has a girlfriend, and he does some espionage work after, after he lands, of course. It's quite difficult to spy in a noisy plane. Glenn Riggs, the narrator for the series, presented the public service announcements for which the show was known, encouraging listeners to do all they could to support the war effort. And now, kids, it's time for our Comic Web Radio Secret Society code, 4317. Just enter this code at www.comicweb.com slash secretsociety.htm. Deciphering the code will give you all the benefits of membership in the Comic Web Radio Secret Society. Benefits include more free episodes, fun facts, a certificate of membership, and you get 15% off any order from the Comic Web. Just use the word on checkout where we ask for a coupon code. The code again is 4317. If you have any comments on how to improve our podcast, please send an email to us or fill out the survey on our website. Our email is editor at comicweb.com, and we would appreciate anyone leaving reviews of the podcast on iTunes or anywhere else. Thanks, and have a good week.